the art of slow looking. When you go to a gallery, how long do you spend in front of an artwork? I probably look for half a minute or less. Will the true depths reveal themselves in such a short amount of time? This podcast is about the art of slowing down. I'm Bumi Thomas, a poet, musician, and visual artist. And I'll be learning and sharing techniques for slow looking. With the help of a former monk who paints icons, a psychologist who researches how we perceive art, a tour guide at Tate Modern, and someone who spent 15 years looking at one painting. I often feel overwhelmed when I go to gallery. So many extraordinary and famous works, and so little time to see them all. But what if, instead of looking briefly at many works, I look slowly at a few? Nicole Mollett is someone who decided to do just that. Fifteen years ago, she stopped in front of a particular painting by Richard Dadd in the 1840 room of Tate Britain. She's been returning to the Ferry Feller's masterstroke ever since. It's a complicated, busy painting that shows a figure with an axe, the Ferry Feller, about to bring his weapon down on a chestnut while a group of strange, magical beings look on. On first glance, we may only notice its exquisite detail and minute scale. We may remark on its somber or dusky colors, but if we lean in close, even closer, we'll notice just how intricate this surreal scene really is. It's these layers of intrigue that Nicole spent years unpeeling. I found her one Sunday morning, peering intently at Dad's enigmatic painting. You're basically looking at an undergrowth scene. Uh, You've got a lot of grass wheat sheaves and uncut grass crossing the painting at all strange angles. It sort of dissects it into all these kind of weird segments. They're so fine that they're not the first thing you see, but they kind of create a pattern across the surface. And behind them is this scene whereby there's a, a, there's a group of people, but the, the perspective is distorted. In the foreground, there's a gentleman who's holding an axe behind his head and he's got his back to uh, the viewer. And uh, he, I guess, is the, the fairy fella. But then in front of him is this array of different people. There's these kind of what I would say are vertically challenged people um, that are wearing very strange... The amount of detail Nicole sees is astonishing. I would find it incredibly difficult to notice all of this with one brief look. I've been into this painting by Richard Dad for approximately 15 years. It seems to be like a kind of riddle, which I need to figure out, and I still haven't figured it out, and that's why I keep on coming to look at it. It doesn't make sense to me, and that's what draws me to it more. One of the things I used to find difficult about going to galleries was that I felt I was supposed to understand straight away what the works were about. But sometimes I just didn't get it, which made me feel intimidated. 
Enrica Franca is a long-term volunteer at Tate Modern, where she regularly runs tours that encourage visitors to look more slowly at the art around them. Passionate about contemporary art, Enrica wants everyone to have the chance to enjoy it without needing special prior knowledge. So he's an artist from Ghana who lives and works in Nigeria for a long time, and he started to collect a lot of these bottles. I joined her on a recent tour to learn more. Many times can be quite intimidating to come to the gallery and, and actually great works are often intimidating. But I think this is also the important part of coming to museum because through the act of slow looking you can actually allow yourself more time and you can actually create your own understanding and develop your own interpretation of a specific artwork. And also it motivates you to come back and to look again for maybe a new perspective, uh, for new meanings. And I think especially with contemporary art, is easier to use this approach. So, I'm walking through a gallery. A painting catches my eye. I want to pause and fully experience artwork in the slow-looking way. What do I do, Enrica? I first want to ask you to close your eyes, to be mindful in the moment. Okay. My eyes are closed. Try to forget uh, what are your plans for the day. After two minutes, just open again. Okay. Open. I'm looking at the artwork. What now? So there are many different elements that can help you to first approach an artwork. We can think about the shape, the form, the line of an object, the color. Uh, we can think about the gallery space where the actual object is placed. That element can actually spark great interest in you because it's, uh, it's something that can provoke you, it's something that can stimulate you to even uh, create a sort of narrative around the artwork. When Nicole first laid eyes on Richard Dad's bizarre fairy tale scene, she was drawn in by the intense detail that emerged. This intensity stimulated her imagination. The painting has this strange paradox because it's like really, really beautiful, but also really ugly. And it kind of, it's like that. Even the flowers, they're kind of the hugely detailed daisies, yeah, they're quite dark and menacing so you know you think of a daisy and you think oh lovely summer flower you know the first signs of spring etc but somehow because the colors are quite muted and there's this it's it's either a dawn or a, a early dusk sense in the light and everything has this element of foreboding basically and that's i quite like that <laughs> after observing the strangeness of the painting she was curious to go deeper and she started to unravel further meanings. Then I kind of questioned, what is the story? Also, just the monstrous element of the, some of the people. I mean, they all have this kind of slightly possessed look about them, like they're about to do something or say something very confusing. And, and I also like that because it kind of exposes that thing of human nature that we don't always act and behave logically. And, and these... these uh, people, persons in this painting seem to embody that in the way they, they express themselves. 
It's almost like Nicole's talking about her favorite novel, wanting to understand the inner lives of the characters and their relationship to the imminent murder that's depicted. Nicole questioned and kept questioning. Her obsession led to her finding surprising connections between Richard Dad's life and her own. Basically, I then researched who he was and found out that actually he grew up near Chatham, which is an area that I kind of regularly work in. And then I kind of researched further and found he actually murdered his father. Keep questioning yourself, why are you drawn into these particular details and what more can you find? And, and then you will notice that your first impression is uh, very important to build a narrative and a conversation around the artwork. And so then that put another serious spin on it for me because I was like, oh gosh, he... he he did something very bad, you know, obviously. And so, you know, I, it, then it's this whole moral question of can you like art that is created by somebody who's done wrong deeds? She read up on Dad's life and found out he suffered from paranoid delusions. Having become convinced his father was the devil, the artist killed him when they were out walking one day in the woods near Cobham in Kent. These are the very same woods where Nicole had been walking for years. Nicole gained this deep connection by spending longer than the average viewer's 27 seconds in front of her chosen artwork. Rebecca Chamberlain is a researcher in the psychology of art and aesthetics. She's fascinated with our perceptual experiences in art galleries and what happens when we sit with a specific artwork for longer. What I think is amazing about art is the fact that it invites us to sit with ambiguity. We go into the gallery and we can assume this position of allowing things to not be quite clear, to experience emotions that we would normally not find very tempting, to be in this very kind of open attitude to experience contrast and conflict, yet in a way that we can't do in the outside world. And artists are obviously very aware of that. I think they want to create that space where things are not, not quite as they seem. To invite the viewer to spend longer kind of trying to figure it out, whether that's a conceptual problem or a perceptual problem. Stopping. Sitting with ambiguity. Letting difficult emotions arise. That sounds hard. I need the advice of someone well-practiced in doing this. Here we have uh, different shades of azurite, a deeper and a lighter um, shade. Malachite, um, I've tried grinding this myself, but this is um, a copper carbonate. We have a crystal cola, that's from Iran. Aidan Hart is an icon painter. He makes religious works of art. A former monk, he spent seven years living as a hermit observing icons for six hours a day. I met Aidan in his bright, airy workshop in Shrewsbury to discover how to bring an almost spiritual approach to our encounters with art. As a, someone who's been a hermit for seven years, and in a sense, eight hours a day here painting, I'm in a hermit, hermit again, what would be my advice for people, religious or otherwise, how to stop and be still. I think the first thing is to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, warts and all, 
then the temptation is to be running around, distracting yourself from yourself. If we don't want to be still and be uncomfortable with ourselves, then we're always going to be doing things. Second, be prepared for bad things to arise from within one. Not that we're bad, but if you're grieving or someone's grieving or they've got anger, it's only when we stop that that begins to arise. So be prepared for a bit of a battle. But thirdly, believe that the things that emerge through looking at the painting, being still, can then be dealt with. And that can be a profoundly changing experience. But it requires courage. So when something emerges, I'm angry, don't say I'm not angry, I am, I am angry. So then ask why and then deal with it. I don't like this painting. Well, instead of just walking away, I think, well, why don't I like this painting? So be prepared to be changed. Rebecca Chamberlain. One way that art can be sort of beneficial for mental health and well-being is through allowing you to access these states of flow which keep you in the moment and help to keep out intrusive, maybe sometimes negative thoughts. It underpins a lot of work in the treatment of conditions like anxiety. So anxiety is obviously uh, characterised by intrusive, panicky, worried thoughts and um, in being involved in an, in an activity that really absorbs you, you're able to put those thoughts to one side. So we know that art making does that, but I believe that going into the gallery, you know, maybe for example, you know, the Rothko room or something like that, and you know, you're in this, this space that is inviting you to be completely absorbed in the experience, this probably has the same kinds of impacts on, on well-being as well. Artists themselves want the viewer to slow down in front of their artwork. They almost create art with the specific intention of forcing you to stop and look. Aidan also practices slow looking with his favorite artists and believes the deeper meaning of their work is only revealed to him through this approach. As an icon painter and someone who prays in front of icons, I've often thought, how does this affect the way that I and others could look at any art? I just absolutely love um, the Impressionists and um, also Constantine Brancusi, the great sculptor. Constantine Brancusi was a Romanian sculptor, painter and photographer who made his career in France. Considered a pioneer of modernism, he was one of the most influential sculptors of the 20th century. So Brancusi, I, I, I as a sculptor, started um, modelling really realistically and I didn't really understand Brancusi. But then with time, reading the few aphorisms that were recorded, I realised, actually, this is a more profound way of seeing. Like he said, for example, that simplicity is complexity resolved. Simplicity is complexity resolved. So perhaps 10 years earlier, I would have thought, oh, it's so basic and so simple, this bird in space. You know, what, what is there? Not I could do that. But in fact, I realised with time, in fact, for Brancusi to get to that simplicity, he had to be able to model a flayed figure with every single muscle on to understand what to leave out. So in fact, this flayed figure he modelled actually was used later by a hospital to teach anatomy. So his road to that discovering of the essence was a long journey. And if it took him as a ma maker a long time, it must take me as a viewer a long time to discover that essence. I discover myself through looking at the other, looking at the artist's vision, 
And it was through this dialogue, this relationship, that I discovered depths in myself. But I think the more quiet we are, the more still we are, the longer we've looked, the more one can find that inner, that inner place, that inner sanctuary. And profound things happen when we enter that inner place. And I think the art gallery is probably the only place left apart from being in nature where we're allowed to just stand for a long time or sit for a long time. We gathered responses from some of the participants in Enrique's tour at Tate Modern. They looked slowly at paintings, sculptures and installations. At first, it really seemed to me to be very beautiful, but a bit later, I really realized that actually this was like a surface of water, and it was actually covered with uh, something like um, trash, and um, I saw really a drama of nature in this masterpiece, and it really was terrifying and scary, but still it was beautiful. It looks like it was made for this wall, and it's been constructed inside the gallery, but actually it's been transported and, and, and placed in a very precise way. So I think taking that time, you, um, you notice something new and you can appreciate the purposefulness with which it's been put together. So, what are the benefits of spending a long time with a particular artwork? Coming back to it again and again and really trying to get inside the artist's head. Do we end up learning more about ourselves as well? Does it change the way we perceive other things too? I would personally recommend coming to the to any gallery and maybe picking one or two paintings and just sitting with them for five or ten minutes and, and you'll, you'll get a lot more out of it. And like today, I noticed there's this uh, cricket playing the horn. And I don't know why I hadn't seen him. I just think it's probably because he looks a lot like the grass, like his arms and legs are very spindly, like, like the, the, wheat, uh, the wheat sheaves. So I'd, I'd kind of not paid any, him any attention before. And then I was just like, oh, that's interesting, because he's, he's kind of like the, almost the only animalistic character in the painting, and he's playing music, uh, which is interesting. Why is it a good idea to return again and again to a painting? I think part of the answer to that is the fact that we don't actually see with our eyes, we see with our brain. We receive impulses through our eyes, but in fact it's our brain that constructs an image from that information. And because we already have our own attitude to life, as it were, in our brain, the new information we get through our eyes looking at a painting is mingled up with our preconceived ideas. So if we look at a painting just once, then we just have that particular image in our mind of what it is. But if we stay a bit longer, then those impulses can get deeper into the brain and begin to connect, as it were, with other things. They go deeper and deeper, and then we see things a bit differently. Um, as it were, older memories come up, and if we're quiet enough, then, then things emerge from within our souls and they intermingle with this new information. Um, but this takes time from a physiological point of view as well as from a spiritual. It just gives, as it were, the brain time to masticate, to, to chew on that new information. This was The Art of Slow Looking. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review and subscribe. And check out some of our other podcasts. 
like the art of creativity and the art of memory. It was produced by Eliza Lomas. It was a Boom Shakalaka production with music from FM3 and it was mixed by Steve Wyatt. With special thanks to Boomy Thomas, Nicole Mollett, Rebecca Chamberlain, Aidan Hart, Enrica Franca and her tour participants. <laughs> <laughs>